0: Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller and today I'm joined by Johnny McFarlane, whose fantasy football team is named Dalbite Star Eat My Hamster, and Gabby Mackay, who's gone with I Knew You Were Turnbull. Until Which needed to be explained to me. Well, well I mean, if you're know, if, if you not up with your Taylor Swift, then I'd say that says more about you lucky, than it does, Gabby.
1: You're just lucky I didn't go for You Belong With Ben, me. Donald Love Story or again. On today's pod, we'll be discussing Celtic's comfortable night in Europe and making our
0: predictions for the bottom and top six of this season's Scottish Premiership. So, Celtic cruised through to the third qualifying round of the Champions League last night with a 2-0 win over Nomi Kalju, giving them a 7-0 aggregate victory. Johnny, you watched the action, with the game essentially over as a contest after the first leg, was there anything worthwhile that you took away from last night's game?
2: Well, I thought Celtic were really impressive in the first half. Um, they were attacking with intent, causing a lot of problems, especially down the left side with Bali, uh, bowling goalie. And uh, he was linking up terrifically well with uh, Mikey Johnson. And every time they got the ball in that area, they caused uh, Nom Kalju serious problems. Uh, in the second half, it was a bit different. Um, the the Romanians pushed up on top of uh, sorry the, the Romanians the Estonians pushed up on top of uh, Celtic suffocated them a little bit in midfield and uh, the game came quite uh, stretched in the last sort of twenty minutes Celtic got a terrific second goal on the counter attack when Marion Schved, who I have to say was highly impressive when he came on very quick very skillful very direct and a... What a dig it was for his goal, 25 yards out on the left foot, right in the top corner, really stunning strike. Uh, in terms of debuts, <laughs> I was, was quite taken by the lad, he looks like yep. he's going to be a seriously good player. Um, but overall, I think Celtic weren't great in that second half, but, but did what they need to do, and ultimately a 7-0 aggregate win, as Neil Lennon said in the aftermath of the game, was an impressive performance.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned volleyball and Golly and Bombo there, and you've written a piece about him today. Yeah. Um, what do you make of him? Having watched him a couple of times now, what are your early impressions of him?
2: Utterly fascinated by him. Um, yeah. He looks really, really impressive going forward. This is how impressive he looks going forward. He looks like an upgrade on Kieran Tierney. Right, okay. He is pushing incredibly high up the pitch. He is technically good. He's quick. He's powerful. He's very, very impressive indeed. And he linked up really well with Mickey Johnson, as I said. Where I would have reservations, and I would caveat that, is I can already see how Celtic are looking a little bit lopsided. Right Uh, on the left, they they go they attack down that side constantly. Last night um, they had um, Lewis Morgan and and um, I was going to say Gary Ralston, Anthony Ralston (laughs) uh, on the right, and um, Ralston was effectively stuck to defensive duties most of the time and Morgan was helping him out because they were constantly going down that side trying to find uh, try to find uh, gaps to exploit. Um, it looks to me like Lennon is perhaps trying to create a similar sort of overload down that side to what Brendan Rodgers had when he had Kieran Tierney and Scott Sinclair attacking down that side. Uh, Then on the other side, you had Michael Lustig, who would sort of drop in from the right back to centre half and make it a sort of 3-5-2 in terms of the way they attacked. Looks like Lennon's going for a similar thing. Um, I do see that being potentially a problem because I think there's a lot of pragmatic managers in Scottish football who will look at that and think, right, well, for example, if you're Tommy Wright, I will stick Michael O'Halloran up front, really, really quick player, and I'll tell him to spend his entire time in that space vacated by Bolly and Bongo. Uh, bo- sorry, bolly, Bolling and Bombo, and then I will tell my uh, central defenders and central midfield players just to hit the ball long over the top and have a foot race with the central, central defenders of Celtic. So I think there could be uh, areas of weakness there that, that can be exploited for Celtic this season unless they adjust how far forward he is.
0: So Gabe, I mean, uh, we've talked then about how impressive he looks going forward. Do you think there's a the potential
1: that he could be a bit of a liability
0: at the back for Celtic?
1: I think so. I saw him in the home game against Sarajevo, and as Johnny says, he was good going forward, but he doesn't seem the most sort of tactically disciplined player. I mean, he's going forward, but he's popping up on the edge of the box, you know, in the D. I mean, I think when when I watched him, I think possibly on Football Scotland, uh, I may have been very tired when I wrote this, but I think I wrote that it's like, you know when you blow up a balloon and you don't tie it and you just let it go <laughs> and it just goes... Poof, around the room just crazy like that's a bit like what it's like that is a bit what it's like watching uh, Bolly and Bombo playing for Celtic at the moment now to be fair he's obviously only just come in Uh, he'll not be entirely familiar yet with what Lennon wants from him he'll have to be getting used to what his new teammates do, but he seems he's a bit chaotic at the moment. I mean, he's great to watch; he's very exciting to watch. But he's not. Um, he doesn't look like the most tactically disciplined player. And yeah, going going back the way, he doesn't look like much of a defender. I think he more played sort of wing back for his previous team, and he played wing back for Celtic in the first leg. I think as an actual left back, as Johnny says, you might uh, see him getting caught in behind a few times because he loves to get forward. The the thing is, Adam, the majority of games Celtic
2: play will be entirely suited to this attacking intent that he has. It's when he goes up against uh, Aberdeen at Pittodrie, Rangers at Ibrox, maybe Hibbs at Easter Road, that's when it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. But in the games against Hamilton, uh, home, sorry, Gaby, but against Kilmarnock, where they're going up against a low block, he is going to be, I think, terrific. I think he'll be Celtic's version of Tavernier. The question is... Can he perform when he's going up against more difficult opposition? And I think we'll see that tested uh, against Kluge. And I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating elements of that tie.
0: Well, Celtic are coming up against Cluj, as you said, in the next round. That's the Romanian side. And their former player, Yonat Rada has been very dismissive about Celtic and Scottish football, saying, everyone seems to be scared of Celtic, but why? They're a team who use the regression. That's their only weapon. If Cluj want to mix it up and fight with Celtic, they will lose, but they won't. Dan Petrescu, that's the Cluj manager, is too smart for that. Celtic remain a big name, but the Scottish league is weak and has no important teams in it anymore. These days, Celtic are not very good. Yes, they get past a couple of stages in Europe, but that's it. Gabby, do you think Neil Lennon is the type of manager to use comments like that as an extra motivation?
1: And do you,
0: have, do you think there's ever any sense in a player, a former player, winding up a club like that?
1: Well, i need to find out what the Romanian is for. It's a good laugh, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I think Lennon, obviously, he will have those, those words pinned on the dressing room wall, I'd imagine. In English, obviously. Um, He'll he'll definitely be using that as motivation. I mean, it's a bizarre thing to say. We don't know that maybe he's been taken out of context. Maybe there's been something lost in translation. But if it's as it appears on the surface, it's a really bizarre thing to say before you play... You know, a team like Celtic. who I imagine, certainly, I would imagine would have a, probably a bigger budget than Clues. So you'd mm-hmm. think possibly would have a better, a better squad. I don't know too much about Clues. We're we're on that. I've spoken to a Romanian journalist. We'll be finding out all we need to know about Cluj in the coming days. But. Yeah, it seems a really bizarre comment to make that you're just you're just going to fire them up. It's a bit like remember uh, Liverpool Liverpool playing Chelsea, and then Rafa Benitez was winding up Drogba before the game, when you, and then obviously Drogba scores twice and celebrates in mm-hmm. front of him. I always think it's bizarre when managers have these sort of digs before games or I know he's not the manager, he's a club legend or whatever, but to have these digs before games can only motivate the other team, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think the more pressing question is, are people still putting things up on the dressing room wall or is it now a screenshot in the group chat?
1: It's just um, an angry gif.
0: An angry gif, right, okay. I think we'll go with that. Um, So... The new Scottish Premiership season starts on Saturday with Champions Celtic welcoming St Johnston, Hibs playing host to St Mirren, Livingston at home to Motherwell and Hamilton visiting Ross County. Sunday sees Kilmarnock take on Rangers at Rugby Park and Aberdeen meeting Hearts at Potaudry. You've both been considering your top and bottom six predictions for the upcoming season and we'll start with the bottom. Johnny, who are your bottom six for this season? Um,
2: So I'm going to upset Gavy and say that um, Kelly are going to... Top the bottom six. I think they uh, are going to be suffering from a season that is going to be mostly transitional. Um, getting a new manager who's want to change the style of play, I think, will will cause them some difficulties. But I'd still think they have enough to, in terms of the quality in the squad, to be one of the, the better teams in the league. So, but I, I think seventh place position will be decent for them. St Johnston in eighth. Uh, I don't see them um, having. A, a, a dramatic season uh, this year. I just think another um, Tommy Wright predictable season where they have some good games and some bad games. I uh, don't think they've lost a lot of talent, but I don't think they've really brought a lot in. Uh, if they can get Stevie May, that's potentially something that could could really energise the whole club. But whether or not that happens, it remains to be seen. It doesn't seem like that one is going to go over the line. Uh, My ninth position is Hamilton. Uh, I think that everyone predicts them every year to go down and every year people get it wrong. I like Brian Rice as a manager. I like him as a guy. I think he's got the right idea about how to play football and I think that um, he will have them uh, well above the relegation battle this year. Ross County, I think they look a bit weak in midfield. Ross Draper... Michael Gardine, I'm not that impressed by what they've got in there Um, but I don't think they're um, going to be as bad as the bottom two teams which are Livingston, I think i have lost a lot of good players Craig Halkett, that's that's the equivalent of uh, Rangers losing James Tavernier or Celtic losing Callum McGregor, that's the main man uh, for last season in terms of the way that Livingston defence were held together um, so I think that'll be a really, really tough one for them to recover from so I expect them to go into a playoff, and then St Mirren who I think are just a basket case so I think they'll come bottom I, I'm impressed by what um, the manager has done uh, when he was at alawa but ultimately 12 players have left only four have come in they've only got one striker they've not done a, a proper pre-season because it wasn't organised properly in advance and... Um, I just think that that will be too much for Jim Goodwin to be able to overcome.
0: So St Mirren to go down, but I think the big takeaway from what Johnny's saying there, and I'm keen to get your opinion on this, Gabby, is uh, Kelly going from third to seventh. Do you see it happening?
1: Well, we'll get on to my predictions in a minute. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's an outrageous shout. I mean, Kelly probably have about the seventh or eighth biggest budget in the league, so it wouldn't be. A, it wouldn't be outrageous for Kelly to finish seventh sort of top of the uh, bottom six I don't think anybody would consider that a disastrous season it would obviously be a bit of a come down after after last season Uh, I think after it's difficult to make predictions at this stage that obviously we're we're doing it for a bit of fun but I don't think it's an outrageous shout okay and let's hear your top six Uh, your bottom six even okay bottom six and seventh place I've got hearts now I can hear jambos are turning off already (laughs) I know. Well, I just think Hearts, they seem to be, ever since about January last, well this year, but last season, they seem to be perpetually teetering on the edge of a Craig Levine related meltdown. There's sort of a lot, I think there's a lot of bad feeling there at the moment. They haven't, the fans I don't think are in open revolt against Craig Levine, but if they start the season badly, if they continue the form from the Betfred Cup, I think that'll happen. And Twenty-seven points in their last twenty-eight games, Gabby. I think that back you up. There. Well, exactly. Uh, below them, eighth place. I've got St. John'son. Eighth place, just is St. Johnson, that's where they live. Ninth, (laughs) I've got Ross County. I agree with Johnny. I think they'll struggle, but they've got a guy up front uh, called Billy McKay, no relation, who can score goals. I think having, uh, basically, I think ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th will be very tight. I think all those teams will be sort of much of a muchness, but I think having a guy who can score goals, we've seen him score goals at this level. We've seen him score goals in the championship. I think having that will make a big difference. Uh, I've got St. Mirren in 10th. Now, I agree with everything Johnny said, but I just think with St Mirren being a kind of bigger club among those down there, you'd think they'll still be able to get players in. Jim Goodwin showed at Alowa that he knows how to get results, even if the football's not pretty, so I can see him doing that. I know Johnny said they were a basket case, which is, of course, the most famous song from Green Day's 1994 album, Dookie. And speaking of Dookie, in 11th place, we have the Dookie that will not flush. It's Hamilton Ackie's. <laughs> Uh, who I think will do the usual. They'll be rubbish all season. They'll finish 11th. No one will go and watch them. No one will be excited by them, but they'll stay up because they'll win the playoff. And in 12th, unfortunately for Kelly Legend, Gary Holt, an all-around nice guy having interviewed them, Yeah, I can see Livingston just going down. They came up two seasons in a row with essentially the same squad. They did really well last season. They've now lost the best elements of that squad. They've signed a few players who we don't know too much about, which could go either way. Maybe they're brilliant signings, but we don't really know. So they've essentially got what is a League One squad with a couple of new signings. Having lost the best players in that team, I think they'll really struggle this season. Yeah,
2: Marvin Bartley is their big signing. And he's a decent player, strong defensive midfield player who'll show a bit of dig, but He's not a guy who on his own is going to drag a club away from the relegation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he's not he's not that kind of X Factor. He's not the I mean he's not the the Billy Mackay kind of thing that can make a difference, I think, between finishing there. I say as I say, I think that bottom four will be tight. I could see any of those sort of four being in the two relegation places, but I just yeah, I worry for Livingston this season.
0: Okay, moving on to the top six now. And there are some intriguing questions. Will this finally be the season in which Rangers offer a genuine title challenge? Will Kilmarnock emulate their stunning third place finish last season and give themselves a shot of travelling beyond Wales in next season's <laughs> Europa League?
1: Um, so, Gaby, we'll stay with you. Let's hear your top six. Okay, there'll be no surprises for me in first place. I think Celtic, I think. They finished nine points ahead last season. They've won eight in a row. I think they've still got the strongest squad, although it's if Tierney goes, it'll be weakened. They've still got issues at right back, but I still think they've got the strongest squad I think, as I've discussed on the podcast before, a lot of things went wrong for Celtic last season and they still won the domestic treble. I think it will take a huge amount to take that off them. So I've got them first. I've got Rangers in second. Uh, I think with the financial advantage they have, with the signings they made, they should be able to consolidate that second place. But I don't think it will be enough for them to win the league. I think Aberdeen will be third. I th- just a model of consistency under Derek McInnes. They've made some some interesting signings. I think Craig Bryson's an interesting signing. Uh, You've got James Wilson back, who I didn't think was great for them last season, but McInnes obviously sees something in him, so I think they should have enough for third. Fourth place, I've gone for Motherwell. I like the look of Motherwell this season. You know, Turnbull stayed. I know he's out for the start of the season, but he's going to come back in, and we saw what he could do last season. He's a real, real quality player, so... Uh, provided he doesn't leave in January, that's going to be a real injection of quality. As the cliche goes, it'll be like a new signing. They've got that young winger, who I think Johnny will rem- remind me of his name in a little bit, but they've got a uh, young winger who's been playing in the Bedford Cup games, looking really good. In fifth place, I have Komarnik. Um I, expect, I don't expect third place again, but I think there's been a little bit too much doom-mongery, if that's a word, <laughs> over um, Angelo Alessio after... Two games, one of which they, one of which they won. It's the first eleven isn't too changed from last season. They need to get some more players in for depth, and I think that lack of depth is what will probably stop them being able to push for a European place. But I don't. If I look, if I look at the first eleven compared to you know the teams in the bottom six, I think Kelly should be able to be fifth, and I've got Hebs in sixth for the completely unscientific and tenuous reason that I. Paul Heckingbottom strikes me me as a bit of an odd character, Mm. and I think he's going to have some sort of meltdown during the season. Now, this is not based on stats. It's not based on anything. It's just a feeling I have about Paul Heckingbottom that he's a strange fish. He's had a couple of meltdowns. I know, but... Over over nothing. Exactly, and that's what I think that... And that's only in half a season and a pre-season. You you saw how angry he got about Aberdeen signing signing Funzo Ojo, which, as I say every time, is my favourite name in Scottish football at the Mm. moment. So yeah, I think that he signed sort of players from Barnsley in the English lower leagues. You never know how they'll adapt, and yeah, I th- I think there's going to be a Paul Heckingbottom, a spectacular Paul Heckingbottom meltdown at some point this season.
0: Are you actually trying to tell me Funzo, Joe's the best name in Scottish football after repeatedly saying the word Heckingbottom?
1: <laughs> very very good point. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so Johnny, had, let's start at the very top. Do you take issue with Gabby suggesting that it's a done deal for Celtic this season? No, look, I think that the, the smart money, if you're
2: asking someone to put their mortgage on who will win the league this year, then you would put it on Celtic simply because they have won the last eight championships in a row. There's evidence to suggest that Rangers can win this league. And I think that Rangers certainly can win the league. And I'm going to plump for Rangers to win the league. Right, but okay. I, I think that uh, the, the, Gaby's prediction is absolutely fine. I think it's going to be very, very tight this year. I'll tell you why I think... Rangers can win. And some of it is because of what Celtic have done and some of it is what Rangers have done. I think Celtic have dropped a little and Rangers have increased their level a little. Um, If you look at Celtic's back four, which is a very important aspect to Scottish football, they've got three new players out of four. They've got a new left back who we've already discussed, a new left centre back. um, One's um, Belgian, one's French, and their new right back is Israeli. None of these guys have played in Scottish football before. There will be a settling in period. There will be a period where they require significant amounts of training together to get up to speed. Um, And I think that could hinder Celtic's start. I think that will be difficult for them to bed in. There's no doubt about it. Three new players, never played in Scottish football, all different nationalities. That's not an easy thing for a manager to bed in. I think on top of that, you've got Neil Lennon, who is changing the style of play. And so far, so good, but it's been against weak opposition. Um, we will really get a sense of what Neil Lennon's done and how good Celtic look against who I think are a a big step up to what they've played so far this season. Um, But I think the combination of that back four and the the change in style of play will give Celtic some initial challenges. On top of that, Rangers have made steady, sensible progress. For the first time in a number of years, Rangers' spine hasn't really changed. It's still Alan McGregor, still Connor um, Goldson, still... In midfield, Stephen Davis, and then up front, Alfredo Morelos. That's the key players through that spine of the team. So Rangers are not having to make big changes. They're just having to integrate players into an already existing setup. In terms of the old firm games last season, for me, they point towards a significant decrease in that mythical gap. Rangers won two, Celtic won two. But I think, crucially, Rangers dominated two, Celtic dominated one, and in the other, it was... Very, very even. The game could have gone either way. So you can't say, in terms of first 11 against first 11, there's really any kind of gap between them at all now. Where I think Rangers lost the league last year was against teams who sat in and defended deep. Teams like Kilmarnock. Rangers dropped 10 points last year against Kilmarnock. That would have been enough to win the league had they won those points. And to me, in terms of the recruitment, it looks like they've addressed that issue. They've brought in Arebo, who's an attacking midfield player, they brought in a number of players going forward, from Greg Stewart, who's established in the league, Jordan Jones, um, who I have my reservations about, but is an established performer in, in the Premiership. Um, you've got Jake Casey's an exciting young player, Shea Ojo, and potentially Ryan Kent come in, can come into that as well, if Rangers can get that deal over the line. So I think Rangers will vastly improve in terms of that middle-to-front performance, and I think that could be enough to get them over the line. Gabe, uh,
0: G- G- Johnny touched on the 10 points that Rangers lost to Kilmarnock last season. Uh, do you think with Kilmarnock playing Rangers again this weekend, do you think Kelly will, obviously Alessio's got a different approach to Steve Clark, but do you expect that Alessio will have familiarised
1: himself with how Kilmarnock took those points off Rangers and <laughs> attempt to kind of emulate that? Yeah, I'd imagine he will. I'd, I'd imagine you'll see Kelly play quite similar to the way they played under Clark. I think that that will be a really big early test for Rangers. As I believe I said in the podcast yesterday, they haven't won in the league at Rugby Park since 2011. They didn't beat Kelly at all last season, which as a slight diversion, I think is, you know, when you're looking at just the head-to-head games between Rangers and Celtic and saying, well, that means there isn't a gap, which I'd take the logic of, but then, you know, I don't think anybody would say, well, there's no gap between Rangers and Komarnik or Komarnik are better than Rangers, despite the fact Kelly obviously won two and drew two in the league last season. So, yeah, I think as a first game for Rangers uh, they've actually got a pretty difficult start Rangers I think they're also playing Hibs and Celtic in the first are, four yeah. weeks so uh, yeah I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about Rangers very quickly if they come through those games with you know say 10 points I don't know they because the other ones in Mirren I think you know win, win 3 maybe draw with Celtic then you'd say yeah absolutely title race is on if they drop points to Komarnik, if they drop points to Hibs and then lose to Celtic, then I think immediately the pressure's on Gerard. Immediately there's a gap opening up, you'd imagine. So I think... You know, obviously we're predicting across the course of a 38-game season and it'll be too early to decide anything after four or five games. But I think in terms of the title race, in terms of where Rangers are, I think we'll find out a lot in the first few weeks of the season.
0: Okay, Johnny, let's hear the rest of your top six.
2: Aberdeen will come third. I think me and Gaby agree on that. I've been quite impressed by the additions they've made. Uh, Ojo is a good player by everything that I've seen on... Um, Wisco and, and other sort of data programs. Uh, Craig Bryson, I think we know from his time at Colmarnock and Clyde, an excellent player. I know he's getting on a little bit now, but he'll add something that Aberdeen don't have in that midfield, which is that real box-to-box uh, attacking instinct. Now you take those two players and you add to them two that are already there, and Lewis Ferguson and Dean Campbell. Uh, that is a potent-looking midfield, and we already know they've got a very solid, robust defence. The thing for Aberdeen is just simply: can they get keep Sam Crosgrove firing to the same extent as they did last year, and can they get Curtis Main, the guy that they've brought in um, as a sort of understudy, I would imagine, to fire at a level that will allow them to uh, win those games when Cosgrove's injured or Cosgrove's suspended? I know they've already brought in James. They've also brought in James Wilson, who who had a sort of indifferent spell but has got talent. If Aberdeen can get their strikers firing. They're going to be a good side, and I think a threat in the Cups. So I fancy them for thirds. I think Hearts will come fourth. Uh, This entirely depends on Stephen Naismith. Everything indicates that he will sign. If he doesn't sign, I think they're in trouble. But just as much as I'm impressed by Aberdeen's midfield, I'm exceptionally impressed by Hearts at centre-back. They've got Christoph Berra, they've got um, John Suter, and they've now got Craig Halkett. That's three of the best Scottish players around in terms of defence and I think were they to go to a back three I think they'd be extremely strong in that area to say the least and we know that Craig Levine for all he is um, diminished by some Hearts fans um, we know that he will not allow uh, a, a Craig Levine team to go out and be bullied or lose the fight and I think that'll be enough to to see Hearts in the fourth place to be honest um, but it's, it's key that Naismith signs. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of fifth, i think motherwell uh, i i agree with uh, gaby everything about the club seems to be on the up we we had that we getting some phenomenal stuff coming out of their media department we saw that um exceptional video um highlighting the the um the issue of um suicide and males, and that, that that was um really powerful everything that, that comes out of the club seems to be there seems to be a synergy we we see um the manager who's completely changed the um, the style of play, going from a very direct style, lumping the ball forward, uh, looking to win second balls. Mid-season, he's completely changed it. He's brought through loads of youth players. He's made it exciting. He's made it fast. And um, he's continuing that with uh, James Scott, someone I trust implicitly who's seen Scott in the flesh a couple of times recently, tells me this 18-year-old kid is the real deal. He's got to be a major player for Motherwell this year. You've got Seedorf on the wing, you've got Hilton on the wing, you know, they do look impressive, and they've still got Turnbull to come back. So I can see them getting in the top six. I can even see them maybe making an, an assault on fourth place. Um, but a lot of it will depend on how these young players last over the course of a season because they will be dips. Um, and in sixth place, um, I'm with Gaby. I haven't been entirely convinced by Paul Heckenbottom, um, I feel like he's reacted to certain situations in a slightly um, OTT manner, and it makes me wonder how he'd react when the going really gets tough. Uh, we don't know much about these players that he's brought in, and he has brought in a lot of, of guys from the, the lower leagues in England, as Gaby says. We do know one of the players, though, and that's Scott Allen, and we know that he is a very, very fine player. In loves the a through ball. In the attacking <laughs> midfield, the, there is very few players in Scottish football that, that have the numbers that match Scott Allen. When he is playing for a team, playing for a season, he's in the top five attacking midfielders in the league. That's been proven when he's been on loan spells in the past. And I think he'll be a very, very good sign. And if Hibbs can keep him fit, then then maybe they can do better that I'm su- than I'm suggesting. Um, but uh, I also think it's a massive loss that, that Hibs have lost uh, Mark McNulty and uh, uh, Stefan Omionga, who are yeah. both who are both excellent players from last season. So I don't think Hibs will be quite as strong.
0: Okay, so just before we finish up, Johnny, do you want to tell the listeners about our Fantasy <laughs> Football League?
2: Yes, um, so it's called uh, the Football Scotland Top Flight League. It's just a bit of fun. Um, we will all be on there and uh, it's uh, it's on... Was it it's Ladbrook? Just search Ladbrook's <laughs> yes. Fantasy Football and you will
1: find it. Register your team... Um, I think we, we could we could pin the tweet, couldn't we? We could just put out a yes. tweet. We'll just pin it to the Twitter profile, and then people can have can have a look there and sign up sign up there. Absolutely. And if you need any Taylor Swift related team names, <laughs> just come to me. I just, also just while we were doing this thought of we are never ever getting Patrice Evra. Nice. Yeah.
2: yeah thanks for rescuing me on this because I had I had no idea what to say there. Yeah. Fantasy mm-hmm. football. It'll be
0: fun. Adam, what's fo- your team name? Uh, Borussia Drunken Snapchat. Ah, uh, I didn't know that was you. I like that one. Not bad. Okay. Well, that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at Football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Bold Firm Facts one Johnny on... Johnny R. McFarlane. And Gaby on...
1: Back to Metz Elder, sorry, at Gaby McKay. <laughs> Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.